Hello, hello, New York Rangers fans, and welcome to episode 41 of the new Ice City podcast. I'm your host, Vince McCogliano of the USA Today Network, and I just got home probably within an hour ago from the first official press conference of the 21-22 New York Rangers training camp. And that was the chat that we just had with Gerard Gallant. First chance I had to meet him in person. We had the Zoom over the summer when he was hired, but this was the first in-person conversation that we had with the New York Rangers coach. So all that is fresh in my mind. I figured I'd come home. My writing is done for the day, and I will jump right on the mic, and we're going to go over this press conference in detail. I'm going to give you a lot of my impressions of Gallant. I'm going to play some clips from him, and we'll talk about the the, the Q&A and and what I thought of his answers in certain situations. We'll talk about some of the pending decisions that he is looking at and and thinking about right now, although he didn't reveal a whole lot in terms of that stuff. I know some of the questions that you guys want answered. You're probably going to have to wait a little while on those. We'll also dive into some of those questions at the end of the program when we get to your Twitter questions. But I'm back. We're here for another episode, and we are on the verge of training camp. It's here. The season is here. The waiting is over. The speculation is over. We are about to see exactly what this New York Rangers team is made of in this new season. We just finished development camp. We covered a lot of that last week, so I'm not going to go too deep into it today. We can just touch on it a little bit here at the top of the program. And... It was fun. It was it was sort of a good way to get your feet wet. The, the days aren't as long as they're going to be for training camp. I mean, starting Thursday morning, which is the first official day that the Rangers will be on ice, I'm going to be at the rink probably from like 9.30 until well later in the afternoon. These development camp practices were, you know, about an hour, every guy on the ice at the same time for the most part, and, you know, talk to a guy or two afterwards and you go home. But it was a good way to get your feet wet, good chance to see some of these prospects up close. I wrote a story that went up on loha.com slash sports slash rangers this week where I identified some of the players that I thought helped themselves the most during this 10-day development camp. And a lot of that, quite frankly, were the names that you would expect. And, you know, I was talking to some people around the Rangers about this, and I think that there's good reason for that. When you think about the top prospects that the Rangers have right now, especially when you're talking about guys like Niels Lundqvist and Morgan Barron, guys that have a little more experience than the 18, 19-year-olds that were drafted in the last year or two, those guys should be standing out in this kind of a setting. They're, They're playing against kids that are at their first development camp, that are jittery, that have not played professional hockey yet. So the fact that Lundqvist and Barron looked good, the fact that Matthew Robertson looked good, the fact that a lot of those typical guys who you would expect it from were the guys that that I think the Rangers organization came away feeling good about. No surprises there. I think the, the guy who helped himself the most, though, as far as elevating his prospect stock was Will Cooley. We talked about him a lot on last week's program. He went, and if you look at not only the way that he practiced, which we talked about last week, but also the way that he played against the Flyers in those two scrimmages that they had over the weekend. Scored a couple goals, had at least one assist, maybe two assists. He would have had a second assist for sure on the Payemi goal that was was called back. But the offense, the defense, the physicality, the Rangers really feel good about him. I think that if they weren't obligated to send him back to the OHL, which is definitely going to be what ultimately happens here, 
that they they would have no problem. They would, in fact, probably like to stash him with AHL Hartford and consider him as a call-up during the season. But the caveat there is doing that would burn a year of his entry-level contract. The The thing with Cooley, it's kind of a, an arbitrary, odd rule, but because he plays in the OHL, which is a Canadian Hockey Junior League, there's an agreement between the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League's, and the NHL that requires players of a certain age, if they're not going to be on the NHL team, to go back to their junior league team. Cooley falls into that category. Now, had he played just two more games with Hartford last season, he would have qualified to go back to Hartford this year. So he missed that cut by just two games. But to be honest with you, I, I know a lot of people on Twitter and, and email and whatnot have sent me things where they're kind of upset about that, where they wish that Cooley were able to stick around. And I get it. I I do think that it might benefit him slightly more to play in the AHL versus the OHL. But not burning a year of his entry-level contract when you know there's probably no place for him on the NHL roster is not a bad thing. And from his perspective, he said this to us when we spoke to him on Tuesday, you know, he should go back and, and dominate the OHL if that's what ends up happening. Of course, he's holding out hope that he makes the team. But realistically, if he ends up back in the OHL, which is what everybody expects, he should have a dominant year there. And then he comes in next year as a 20-year-old, still very young. He can begin his entry-level contract then, and he'll have a much better shot of actually impacting the NHL roster. So Cooley, I think going back to the OHL is not that big of a deal and the fact is that he came out of this development camp with rave reviews from the people that I talked to around the Rangers, very happy with his development. And he is definitely clearly one of the top 10 prospects in the organization right now. I had him ranked number nine in our rankings that came out just as camp was beginning. I might even move him up a spot if I had to redo those rankings today. He, he, he was very, very good. Very, very impressive. Still a lot of questions. Still, you know, the fact that he only pro- practiced against prospects leaves some doubt as to how will he be able to out-muscle guys the way that he did when he's playing against NHL guys. But here's the good news. We're about to see him playing against NHL guys because him, along with pretty much all the prospects who were invited to development camp, were also invited to stick around for main camp. So Cooley and several others will be here for at least another week or so. You know, Some of them will probably get sent back at various points. But he's sticking around along with a host of others, and he'll get to test himself a little bit against NHL guys. And I do expect Cooley, among a few others, to get into at least one preseason game. Remember, the Rangers are back to a regular preseason schedule. They're going to play six preseason games, the first of which is coming up really quick on Sunday night at the Garden. I'll be there for that one. So a lot of stuff happening really fast. But Cooley was definitely one of my standout guys. Lundqvist was one of my standout guys, and I think that he seemed to get more comfortable as the camp went on. He talked to us on the first day about adjusting to the smaller rink, the speed of the game, the physicality of the game. That is going to be an ongoing adjustment for him, but I did think that he made strides over the course of that camp, and I think it's a great head start for him going into NHL camp that he got that experience under his belt, got a little bit of a a time to adjust instead of getting thrown right into the fire against the tried and true NHL type players. With Lundqvist though, for sure, 
as we talked about last week, I'm pretty sure we did. You could you could see the skating, you can see the shot, you can see the poise with the puck, you could see all the reasons that the Rangers are so high on him and why he was ranked as our number one prospect. Barron definitely, I would say, was the best forward at development camp, which again you would expect, but he's setting himself up now where I really believe that he has at least a 50% chance of making this roster. I'm looking at it as a competition between him and Kevin Rooney for that fourth line center role. I know Rooney's a guy that the Rangers like. Obviously, they decided to protect him in the expansion draft, so that tells you all you need to know right there. But Barron has done just about all he needs to do to earn a spot on this roster. So that that is one of the true position battles that I'm going to be keeping an eye on at training camp because I do think that it's a bit of a toss-up right now between Rooney and Barron for that fourth-line center role. The other prospects that I wrote about uh, in my story where I mentioned the guys that I thought stood out the most were Matthew Robertson, who, listen, a lot of times when you talk about the defenseman prospects, Lundqvist comes up, Jones comes up, Schneider comes up, but Robertson, to me, defensively, was the most reliable, stout guy that they had at this development camp. His combination of skating, and I know the Rangers on their Twitter page put out a video that shows how smooth and fluid he is with his skating. The way that he moves for a guy who's six foot four is really impressive. He also has that long reach. He was very effective with his stick. He's not as physical as a guy like Schneider, although I know the Rangers believe that he has made progress in that area. But he was a guy that pretty much every forward they sent at him during development camp had a really difficult time getting off a quality shot if they were able to get off a shot at all. So Robertson's definitely a guy who stood out to me. Zach Jones, I wrote about. To me, early in camp, you know, in some of the skill drills, he pops. But I didn't think he got off to the best start, especially defensively. I I thought you, you saw maybe some nervousness on his part. But as camp went on, he definitely got better, and he finished strong. He had two primary assists in that Sunday scrimmage against the Flyers, and I know the Rangers felt like he was one of the best players on the ice in that game. So Jones finishes strong. I think we went over pretty much everybody that I wrote about there. Jones, Cooley, Barron, Lundqvist, Robertson. Oh, and and Lori Pai-Niemi. Pai-Niemi. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. That is, of all the Rangers prospects or players right now, I think I can pronounce every single one on the first try, except for him. Pai-Niemi is, I'm pretty sure, the right way to say it. Apologies to Lori if I'm messing that up. I noticed all the prospects in camp were just calling him Padge. Um, so anyway, but he he's a guy, uh, I mentioned Lundqvist adjusting to the smaller rank, and I mentioned a few guys that I felt like got stronger as camp went on. He definitely falls into that category. I thought the first few days he wasn't that noticeable, but as camp went on, you started to see that hard shot, that effective, accurate shot that he has that is the first thing that scouts always talk about when you ask about him. But I also thought that he he showed a real knack for finding holes in the offensive zone, for setting himself up for his shot, and even for setting up his teammates. He did show some good vision with the puck and make some pretty good passes as well. He produced some points, including a goal in the first game, and could have been two goals. One of them was called back for a high stick. But he was effective in that scrimmage against the Flyers, probably the most dynamic offensive forward that the Rangers had on the ice in those scrimmages. So Pai-Niemi is one of the guys that I think uh, also really impressed throughout camp. And he'll go down to Hartford now in all likelihood, but I think that you know if he plays well there and produces, 
Definitely has a chance to be one of their leading scorers and then definitely would be setting himself up for a potential NHL look at some point later in the season. All right, let's move past development camp, though. We're we're done with development camp stuff. We're on to the main NHL training camp, and we're on to today's conversation with Gerard Gallant. Now, we're going to get into a lot of stuff that we talked about with Gallant. The most newsworthy thing to come out of this was that he said, the quote was, if I were a betting man, we'll have a captain on day one. By day one, he means the regular season opener. So that's that's a bit of news for you guys right there. I know everybody's been clamoring for this and wondering when are they going to name a captain? Who's it going to be? We'll talk about all that stuff later in the episode. But the fact is the Rangers have clearly decided that they want a captain this season and they plan to name one before that October 13th regular season opener. Who's it going to be? We'll talk about that more in a minute. But what was interesting to me that Gallant said was that it sounds like in the exit interviews that Chris Drury had with the players at the end of the previous season, the players made it pretty clear to Drury that they think it's important to have a captain. So that, that's that's interesting because I believe that Drury questioned them on that and the consensus seems to be that the players want it. And if the players want it, the Rangers seem intent to give it to them. So we should know who the next captain of the New York Rangers is within the next couple of weeks, it sounds like for sure, based on what Gallant told us today. We also discussed some lineup decisions with him, which we'll get to shortly. But I think what was really interesting to me about this press conference is just, it's just a different approach with Gallant. He versus David Quinn is a pretty stark contrast not just in how they deal with the media, but also it seems in how they deal with the team. Now, you guys will remember when David Quinn was brought in, the rebuild had just started. The theory behind it was that this was a guy who could relate to young players. This was a guy who would build relationships with young players. I don't want to use the word coddle, but would make them feel comfortable and help them adjust to the the NHL because we knew that the Rangers were going to be breaking in a lot of young players while David Quinn was here. Gallant, he mentioned a couple different times, and I heard this over the summer too, but he he mentioned it a few different times today, that he really has had minimal contact with the players this summer. Now, I want to make this clear because some people on, on Twitter were asking me about this. When I say that he's not in contact with the players, some people were responding and saying, oh, but everybody says he's a player's coach. Well, I think when, when you hear, and this is my this is what I, my understanding based on people that I've spoken to. When they say he's a player's coach, that means that players enjoy playing for him because they feel like they know what they're going to get. They know what his expectations are. He, he doesn't hold any punches. He's a straight shooter. He talks a lot about work ethic. But as long as you work hard, as long as you're giving him maximum effort, he'll give you some leeway. He'll allow you to make some mistakes He's not big on benching players or disciplining players, that sort of a thing. So I think players like playing for him, and he's considered a player's coach because they know what they're going to get. He's also a former player, so I think he understands that sometimes players just don't want to be nagged by their coach, quite frankly. So there, there's something to be said for that. But, but what is interesting to me and what I wrote about a little bit today on Wednesday is that Clearly, he's not a guy who's going to be sending players texts over the summer or at night or palling around with them away from the rink or anything like that. This is a guy who I don't think is going to put a whole lot of time 
into building off-ice relationships with players. Now, you hear in a lot of different sports, not just hockey, that that's something that, that a lot of pro teams value. They want coaches, managers who do relate to the players and do form a bond and show a lot of sensitivity to players' needs. I'm not sure that's what the Rangers are getting in Gallant. Gallant strikes me, and this is this is just first impression, but again, I've talked to people about this over the course of the summer. He strikes me as an old school dude. It's going to be all business with him. He's going to show up at the rink. He's going to be there for practice. He's going to be there for games. He's going to be there for morning skates. He'll obviously interact with the players quite a bit, but it's going to be getting stuff done. It's going to be hockey-related probably 99% of the time. It's going to be, we're here to get our job done, and we're going to focus on that and not have any nonsense or any other kind of stuff going on. That doesn't mean that he won't allow players to have fun, because I have heard stories where he does let the players have some fun, and there's some you know little jokes and pranks that go on behind the scenes and stuff like that. But it, it just seems to me that it's old school. It's not. It's a new era for this team in the sense that they went from this three-year period with Quinn where they were building up. They were trying to make sure these players had the right level of confidence. They knew that they had to take a patient approach. They knew that they had to make sure that everybody was comfortable in this environment because it was a new environment for so many players. But now it's time to get to work is the sense that I get. Now it's time to go after the playoffs. It's time to be a better team. The expectations are higher. There's no playoff mandate as we know, but there is certainly a new sense of urgency around the team. And I think that Drury and the Rangers looked at it as Gallant is the guy who's going to come in here and set the tone from the perspective that we have a job to do and we're going to put our heads down and do that job. So with that, Let's get to our first clip from Gallant. And this was the opening question for me at the press conference. And I wanted to ask him a little bit about his philosophy, his systems, what he wants to change about this team, how he wants to help this team get to the next level. So you hear my questions and you hear a couple answers from Gallant, and then I'll be back to discuss it. I'm just curious to hear your assessment, having the summer to sort of analyze the, the roster and the, and the team. What do you feel like will be your main goals in this camp to help the team take that next step that we talked about the first time that we spoke to you? Yeah, no, I think, you know, we come into camp and you get to see your players skate, you know, in informal skating the last three weeks. And, you know, I, the biggest thing that I talk about is make sure we're the hardest working team in the league. I brought that up a few times and that's what I hope we do. I mean, the, the skill and the talent's great, but if you if you don't have the work ethic to go with it, yeah, you're not going to go a long way. So I I hope everybody gets the message that we're going to work hard, we're going to compete hard every day, and we know we got some skill and talent, and uh, we made some changes to our roster, obviously, and uh, I like the I like the makeup of our team right now. When you talk, people talk about the system that you, that you'll bring in. Can you give us some points of emphasis as far as the way that you want this team to play? Well, I mean. Let's be honest. I mean, everybody has their systems, and there's not a big difference in NHL teams. A lot, of, a lot of us do the same things. It's about executing them and uh, believing in your systems and getting 23 guys to buy in and they execute. So uh, I just want to make sure our guys are ready every day, prepare the same way, and tomorrow's tomorrow's day one. You know, let's get uh, everybody on the same page and playing the same way and uh, working hard and competing hard, and, and we'll see what happens. All right. Well, the first answer was kind of cliche. I know. We heard that from Galan at the Zoom, but but that's clearly going to be 
his main point of emphasis with this team. He wants to up the compete level. He wants to make sure that they are outworking their opponents. And that plays into a lot of the things that we've discussed this summer about winning puck battles, getting to the dirty areas, doing a lot of the the little things that I know a lot of coaches will tell you they feel are, are more about desire and will than it is about talent and skill, which you heard Gallant talk about in that first answer. But what I, what I found more interesting was the second answer to the question that I asked about his system. I, I've I, I've done enough research to have a good idea of what his system is and what he the way that he wants the Rangers to play. But I want to ask him, get it on record, hear it directly from the source. And to me, what I think stands out, and this is something that I've tried to articulate to you guys before, but you just heard it from the new coach himself, that... As far as systems, and he later went on to say, I watched a lot of the Rangers tape from last year, and, and my system is very similar. And he said he wants it to be fast-paced. He wants it to be an aggressive team on the four-check. These are things that I know people felt like David Quinn ignored or didn't preach, but I've told you guys before from being at practice every day for the last couple of years, those were things that he preached. I think I heard him ask them to, quote, stay on top of people, stay on top of your opponent. Maybe more than anything else I heard besides playing with the right intentions. Maybe those are like his two favorite sayings, I would say. The issue was that while he would get the Rangers to do it sometimes, and they had flashes of it, and they had games where they they really played well because they had that aggressive forechecking style and they were able to use their speed through the neutral zone, create some odd man rushes, create some giveaways, that sort of thing. They didn't do it consistently enough. And that ultimately was one of the main causes for Quinn's demise. It sounds like Gallant is going to be preaching a lot of the same things. But as he said, it's not about the system. It's about the execution. It's about getting buy-in from all of your players. Quinn couldn't do that consistently enough. And that now is Gallant's task. The Rangers are expecting him as a more experienced coach as a guy who they believe, as we talked about in the first segment, is going to have more of a no-nonsense approach to this, is going to be more businesslike, they believe that he has a better chance of convincing or coaching up or somehow getting the Rangers to do those things. It's not that Quinn did not want them to engage in puck battles and play fast and be aggressive on the forecheck. It's just that, for whatever reason, he couldn't get them to do it consistently enough. Now, I've talked to you guys before about how I think Part of that was personnel. The Rangers have a lot of young players who, coming up through junior leagues or what have you, weren't asked to do those type of things. They were just skilled scorers, skilled offensive playmakers. And so it was a rude awakening for them to get to the NHL where all of a sudden they couldn't rack up goals the way that they did when they were playing against teenagers. And they had to start rounding out their game more. Quinn did harp on those things. Obviously not effectively enough, at least especially for Drury's liking. But I think Galan is going to preach a lot of the same things. Now, what's going to work in his favor is, number one, the whole organization got shook up. And I think a clear message was sent to the players that they need to start doing those things more. But number two, they brought in personnel that is more suited to that style of play. They brought in Barclay Gaudreau, Ryan Reeves, Sammy Blay. Dryden Hunt, some of these guys, and we're going to talk about them more with another one of these Gallant clips coming up, but 
they brought in guys that are going to bring those elements to that lineup. So that will help Gallant's cause as far as getting the team to play that style, the type of style that he wants them to play. And again, because we questioned him again on this later on in the press conference, he wants them to play fast. He wants them to be aggressive. He wants them to be assertive on the four check. Those are going to be the staples of this system. But those are the staples of a lot of different systems. The key is having the right players to do it and getting them to give maximum effort and commit to those aspects of the game at all times. That is going to be, I feel like we've talked about this before, and I'm probably going to say this again during the season, but that is going to be the true test for Gerard Gallant. Can he get them to fully buy in? You heard it from his mouth. That's what he said he needs to do. And that, I believe, is going to be one of his biggest challenges here. And if he can do that, then this will end up looking like a good hire for the Rangers. Okay, for this next clip, this was actually a question that I had on my mind that I want to ask. You heard my first line of questioning. I was planning this for my second. But of course, you go around the room. You let other people get a turn. We try to be amicable about this and friendly enough about this. But the question was basically about which way he's leaning with the lineup how much he'll experiment with the lineup in these next few weeks. And of course, as it went around the room, Larry Brooks, the Hall of Famer himself, beat me to it. So I'll give Larry credit for this question. And you're going to hear not only Gallant's answer to Larry's initial question, which was about how much he's planning to experiment with the lineup in the next few weeks during the preseason, but you hear some follow-ups, I believe one from Larry, and then also a follow-up from Dan Rosen. And then when I get back, we'll, we'll discuss all those answers. I think the first couple of games you're going to see, you know, a lot more people play different different games, different spots. But I think the the last two or three games you're going to see a lot more line combinations, a little bit, a little bit more of the roster, obviously, and uh, you know we'll see from there. But uh, you know, people come to camp and they they want to get looked at, and you know we just had the rookie camp and the development camp, and some kids showed real well. They played really well, and they deserve a chance to play an NHL exhibition game. So you know we'll give them the opportunity and probably game four or five, then we'll make some big decisions and, you know, get a lot closer to our team for sure. So how much how much emphasis do you put on exhibition games for veterans as opposed to what you see when they're skating at practice? No, not a lot. I mean, like I said, I'm a new coach coming in here. The, 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 a lot of these players, the same guys from last year, they play with different personnel. And I just think, you know, we're going to put some lines together. Sometimes you might see the combination that I see you guys put out there in the media and, you know, a lot of good good, good lines there and, you know, you like what you see. But, you know, we'll experiment with different things for sure. But uh, the quicker I get to the last two games of the season, get our line combination together and start start the regular season. But, again, I mean, lines change all the time. I'd like to, in a perfect world, you'd like to have your four lines set and away you go. But uh, things change all the time. Is a guy like Lafreniere who's been a left wing? You look at him and say, we may need you on the right? As long as he likes it over there. He'll get an opportunity to play over there, maybe, yeah. He'll get an opportunity. He's a young kid, yeah, no, for sure. We want those kids playing a lot of hockey, and it's like anything else. I don't care if you're 18 or you're 35 years old. Come and play, show up, and show you deserve that ice time, and you'll get it. All right, so a few things here. Number one, as I'm sure everyone expected, you are going to see some different lineup combinations. At least in the first few preseason games, Gallant said, could go longer than that, but that's to be expected. This is a new coach getting to know new players, and while I'm sure he does have some line combinations that he would like to see and that he plans to start with, maybe he's getting them from the media, as you heard him joke about a little bit, uh, but I don't 
think that it would behoove him or be in the best interest of the Rangers to be dead set on something from day one. I think playing around with a little bit, looking at different combinations within practice, within preseason games is the best way to play this. And then once you gather that intel and weigh some different options, then you can make more informed decisions about the best way to proceed. I think the two main things that a lot of fans have asked about that I'm curious about myself, especially as far as the top six or even top nine goes, because I think we know we've talked about who the top nine forwards are almost likely going to be. It's just a matter of how do you arrange them. Number one is... Panarin going to play with Strom, as we've seen for the last couple of years, or is he going to try out Zabinijad? That was a question that we got to a little bit later on. He didn't really commit to either way. He said it's too early to say, and so that tells me that there's a chance we're probably going to see both. He made it sound like he'll look at both. But he did also make a comment where he essentially said, I'm not always in favor of stacking one line. So... There's probably at least a decent chance you're going to see Panarin and Strom stick together. I'm sure we'll see a line with them at some point during the preseason. But for me, this is something I've harped on for, I don't know, a year or two now. I think it's worthwhile to at least take a look at Panarin and Zabinijad and and see if maybe you find a little magic there. But the other thing that Gallant discussed, and, and you did hear a little bit of this in the clip that I just played for you, is... With all those left-wingers that they have, Panarin, Lafreniere, Kreider, is one going to move to the right side? I asked him later on if he felt that one of those guys would be more comfortable with it than others. He said that he hadn't spoken to them about it yet. Again, he hasn't really had that much contact with the players throughout the summer and the offseason, but that they'll look into all that in the next few weeks. But Dan Rosen, as you heard, specifically asked about Lafreniere and... He said maybe, he did He did throw the maybe in there, but he also said that as long as Lafreniere is comfortable with it and is okay with it, that that is something that he would perhaps like to get a look at. So to me, Panarin's not moving. It's going to be Lafreniere or Kreider. And if it doesn't work out, if Gallant doesn't like what he sees with one of those guys moving to the right side when we know they've all traditionally played on the left side, I don't think keeping all three on the left is, is a bad idea. I think that in a lot of ways that, that lengthens the lineup, that has the potential to create a really good third line. I've been preaching also the Chris Kreider playing with Philip Heedle thing for a while because when we saw that for a month in 2019, it worked out pretty well. So I don't think that that's a bad idea to give those two a look together on the third line. But the bottom line is we don't have any answers about this right now. Of course, I'm going to be at practice. I'm going to be tweeting things out. I'm sure I'm going to be getting a lot of reactions. As I see these different line combinations early in camp, we'll definitely at least some point this week see what the starting point is in Gallant's mind. And listen, you know, he said he likes some of the stuff that the media has put out there. I'm sure he was clearly talking about my projected lines. But joking aside, me trying to pat myself on the back aside, it's going to be a little while before we have definitive answers. But of course, I will keep you guys posted as I'm able to see things live and in person to practice each and every day. All right, let's get to our final clip from Gallant, and then we will get to your Twitter questions. This was a question that I asked him, 
I wanted to ask specifically about Ryan Reeves, but I also wanted to ask about the impact that he believes some of the new additions that the Rangers made this offseason will make. And I think you'll find this answer telling about his philosophy on the whole grit thing, because clearly it seems like he's pretty happy about the, the way that Chris Drury went this offseason. So here's that clip. I wanted to ask about some of the guys you brought in, Ryan Reeves in particular, I know you have mm-hmm. experience with him, so I assume you were happy about the move, but, but why, why do you think he fits? What, what do you like about his game at this stage of his career? Well, I had him for, t- for two years in Vegas, and uh, he's a physical player. He brings that, uh, he brings that element to your hockey team, and uh, like I said, he can still play the game. He's, he does his weight job, he goes up and down, he plays a good defensive game, and you know, I watch a lot of hockey, like we all watch a lot of hockey, and we brought more grit to our team, then you have to have grit. I mean, you look at the teams that played in the finals, Montreal, Tampa. I mean, Tampa was a great team. They won the Cup the last two years, and I think it was because of what they added. You know, they had their great star players, but they added some character and grit, you know, and that, and that really helped them win. So I think we had to add a little bit of that element, and there's no doubt, and I think we added that with the people we added, and I think it's going to make us a better team. So there you have it. Gerard Glant, big grit guy. He likes it. He mentioned Tampa and how much success that he feels like Tampa or how much of Tampa's success he feels like was because they went out and got guys like Barclay Gaudreau and Blake Coleman who formed that third line, which we know was so crucial for the Lightning on the run to the last two cups. So not really any surprise there based on what he said, but I think it shows that that he really does value that and that he's fully bought in to this clearly defined roles mantra that Drury has been preaching throughout the summer. Again, we don't know if the Rangers are a better team right now. We know they got tougher. We know they lost some skill by trading Pavel Buchnevich, which is something that I know kind of caught everybody off guard, especially as far as the trade return was concerned when it went down on the day of the first round of the draft. But I'm withholding judgment until we see how it plays out. We can say the Rangers are slightly less skilled, but if they are a more balanced team, if there really is something to this clearly defined roles thing, which I do believe that there is, then maybe they end up being a better team. Maybe they find the right mix and things take off from here. And we look back on this offseason and say that it was a necessary evil. It was the right move. It was the thing or the series of things that help propel the Rangers to the next phase. We'll find out. I don't have any definitive answers for you right now, but the good news is beginning Thursday and then going on for many months after that, we're going to see how this plays out. And that makes me happy as I'm sure it makes a lot of you guys happy. So with that, we're going to end this segment, this Gerard Gallant portion of the program, and we're going to move on to your Twitter questions. Okay, let's dive into some Twitter questions. Let me just pull them up right here. And our first one of the week, this is one that several people obviously asked. It was the most asked question of the week. But we'll go with this one from Big Blue, or Go Big Blue, who wrote, Vince, thanks for taking the questions. Thank you, Big Blue, and everyone else, as always, for submitting them. And he asks, who do you feel the Rangers announced as captain and who do you feel deserves it? Maybe not the same guy, question mark. 
Well, see, this is a, this is a, the, the deserving question is a tough one for me. I, I know we've discussed the captain thing before. It appears to be a three-horse race between Kreider, Zabinajad, and Truba. For probably the first two, three years I was on the beat, it always felt like it was going to be Kreider or Zabinajad. And there's a lot of good reasons for that. Kreider, we know, is the most veteran guy on the team. He's been here the longest. But it's not just that. It's I really think that of all the guys on the team, he is one of the best as far as setting the tone, not just through the media, which he does a good job about, but also delivering the message from the coaching staff. I always felt like David Quinn sort of viewed him as an extension of the coaching staff, and he was always on message. Whatever they were preaching, a lot of times it was a simple message, but whatever they were preaching during practice that week leading into games, I felt like Kreider did a really good job of articulating that and trying to emphasize that and make sure that those points were hammered home to the younger guys. And I also know that just behind the scenes, he's viewed as a role model for a lot of those guys. He works incredibly hard, keeps his body in great shape, does a lot of the right things from that perspective. And a lot of the young guys tend to follow him for those reasons. So Kreider, for sure, I, I think there's a lot of merit to, to his case as, as the next captain. Zabinijad is a different kind of leader. He's quieter than Kreider. Kreider's not necessarily a loud guy, but Zabinijad is, is a pretty reserved, quiet guy. I think, though, he does lead quietly. I, I definitely think that there are instances of him taking guys under his wing privately. And I think that the way that he carries himself, there's just always this calmness this coolness about him. Very even keeled, never too high, never too low. I think that that is a very good energy as far as leading young guys, being somebody that everybody looks up to. And I distinctly remember, it was the last week, I believe, that we were in the locker room right before COVID hit. I distinctly remember that after Zabinijad had that game where he scored five goals against the Capitals, Going around to a lot of the young guys on the team, because I was doing a big feature on Mika at the time, and asking them what they admire about him, what impresses them the most about his game, and multiple players referred to him as our leader. There was there was clearly this admiration for him from a lot of the young guys where he was just a guy that they looked up to. He was a guy that they wanted to be like. He was a guy who they modeled themselves both on and off the ice after. So I I don't know if Mika is going to be comfortable standing up in front of the room and making a big speech. He might do that, you know, when I'm the media and people like me aren't around for all I know, but I I haven't heard a lot of those stories about him, which brings me actually to the, the final guy, Truba. I have heard stories about that with Jacob Truba. I, I think I told this story in the podcast before, but I'll tell it again really quickly. I had written a story last year where I mentioned Kreider and Zabinijad as the leaders of the team, and I got a text from somebody who is around the team quite a bit, which said, you're missing somebody, actually the guy who has been the most vocal leader that this season, and that was Jacob Truba. His first season in New York, we know he, he told us that he was feeling his way out, he was not totally comfortable. But I think last season, he came into his own. He's, he's not the best quote, the most outspoken guy with the media. But I think that in the locker room, he really commanded the respect of his teammates. We heard a few different times 
whether it was before a game or at an intermission during a game, that he was a guy who stepped up and spoke and motivated the team. And so I think that he has really emerged as a guy that is highly respected in in that locker room and is a legitimate contender to be the next captain. I've actually talked to a couple people who feel that he might be the leading guy. But I've also talked to people that feel like Kreider is the leading guy, and I've talked to people that feel like Miko would be the best choice. So to me, I don't have a strong feeling that it's going to be any one of those three. I would honestly, if you if you asked me to put odds on it, I would probably say 30% for each of those three, and then 10% that it's probably less than 10%, honestly. But maybe 10% will say that it's some wild card choice. People have asked me about Adam Fox. People have asked me about Ryan Lindgren. People have asked me about Lafreniere. I think Lafreniere, if we were two or three more years down the road, might be in that kind of a position. But I don't know if the Rangers would want to put that on his shoulders. He's still only 19. He has to focus on his own game right now. I don't think they want to put that leadership void or that leadership weight on his shoulder, I should say. So I I would bet that it's going to be one of those three. Zabinajad Kreider, true by no, I'm not going out on a limb by saying that, but I I really can't tell you that I have a strong inclination that it's going to be one of those guys over the others. None of them would surprise me. I'm going to tease something a little bit for our last Twitter question here. There is a note that I'm going to leave you guys with at the end of the show on Mika that might, if this thing happens, work in his favor slightly. I don't know for sure, but That's a little teaser for you as we get into our last Twitter question, but let's get to the next one first. And this one comes from SA3828, who asks, with Nils the favorite to nail down the third right-handed defenseman, where does that leave Schneider in terms of his future with the Rangers? Can he play left-handed D, or will he be a prime trade candidate for a center? Well, SA-3828, it's pretty well known, not just because I talk about it on the podcast all the time, but because I'm sure it's talked about in a lot of different places, that the Rangers have so many NHL-caliber prospects as far as their defensemen goes. I mean, you can't guarantee they're all going to be good NHL players, but a lot of people that I've spoken to feel that Schneider, Lundqvist, Jones, and Robertson are almost all NHL caliber players and almost all of them will, will almost certainly play in the NHL at some point. And then a guy like Hunter Skinner is a guy who I didn't talk about in the beginning of the program when we were talking about guys who impressed during development camp, but he stood out to me as well. And I think that that's kind of a sleeper. He gets lost in the shuffle behind those, those top four, the big four, if you will. But Skinner's a guy to keep your eye on as well. There's a lot of tools in his toolkit that I like. So ultimately, the Rangers aren't going to be able to fit all of them in their lineup. They're going to need to trade at least one or two of them. And they absolutely, at some point, I believe, will do that. Whether it's Schneider, whether it's Lundqvist, whether it's Jones, whether it's Robertson, I can't tell you which one it's going to be. I do know that the Rangers really like Schneider. I ranked him third overall in our prospect rankings, second among the defensemen behind Nils Lundqvist. So I think that the Rangers would like to keep him, and if they do keep him, I'm sure he's going to get an NHL opportunity at some point. One of the things that we discussed a little bit with Gallant today is that 
a lot of times we seem to pigeonhole defensemen and say, okay, this guy's left-handed. That means he has to play on the left side. This guy's right-handed. That means he has to play on the right side. Gallant said, point blank, he doesn't care about that. It's all about how comfortable the defenseman is. If a defenseman is okay playing on the offhand side, Gallant said he has no problem putting him there. If a defenseman obviously is not comfortable with it, then he's going to try to keep him in the spot where he feels best. But we've seen guys go to the offhand before. We actually saw Zach Jones do it for a little while last year when he was with the Rangers. I don't know if Schneider has much experience doing that. My understanding is that he's pretty much in his WHL playing career stuck to the right side. But I wouldn't rule it out as a possibility. I wouldn't rule out Lundqvist maybe trying the left side at some point. I know Jeff Gorton, I remember, specifically said that they do feel that Lundqvist is capable of that. So I think ultimately you're going to find a way to get the best guys in the lineup. If that means moving a guy to his offhand, they'll figure out which guy is best equipped to do that and then proceed from there. But I don't think that you're going to play a guy who you feel like is not as ready or is not as good of a player just because he's right-handed versus left-handed. I think the Rangers will go with the best guys, and if they feel like Schneider is one of their best guys, that's what they'll do. Lundqvist we keep talking about as the favorite to win that final defenseman spot, and that is the expectation. If we're talking about odds again, I would put that well over 50% that he's going to be the guy. But if he gets outplayed by Schneider or Jones or Robertson, then I don't think the Rangers would totally shy away from starting the season with another guy. I think if all things are equal, it's Lundqvist's opportunity. It's his job to lose, but he does have to earn it. There is going he he can't come out there and, and not look good or make a lot of mistakes or or look lost in the exhibition games. I, I think he's going to have to earn it. And if he struggles at all, then I do think that Schneider is a guy who would definitely be in that next tier, next in line category for sure. So I guess in a roundabout way to answer your question. I think if they believe that Schneider belongs in the lineup, they will find a way to either move him to the left or move somebody else to the left. But I also very well could see him as a trade candidate at some point down the line. And I absolutely think that at least one of those defenseman prospects will get traded at some point down the line. All right, final question. And I know we went with one from Big Lou over the summer, but he came through with a pretty good one. And it's a good teaser for the last point that I want to make on the show. So he's getting another run here. Big Lou wrote, what's a storyline or question mark about this season that you're very curious to see play out that hasn't been discussed much or flew under the radar? Well, Lou, this is a good tease, not only for the last thing that I wanted to discuss on the show, but also for a new story that I have coming out that I actually put a lot of work into this week. It'll be up on lohad.com slash sports slash rangers on Thursday morning. I identified what I believe to be the 10 biggest questions surrounding the Rangers as we head into training camp. Some of them will be resolved during training camp. Some of them will linger into the season. But one of them that I wrote about is what is going to happen with Mika Zibanejad's contract? We know he's entering the final year of his contract. We know if he hits free agency in the summer, he'll be highly sought after. The price tag could be super high for the Rangers. I am not reporting necessarily that I believe it's going to get done during training camp, but I can tell you guys that I believe it's something the Rangers are exploring still. I think that there is at least a chance that we could hear about Amika Zabinajad extension 
in the next few weeks. Now, this is all contingent on Zabinijad probably bringing his average annual value down from what some people feel like he might get if he hit the open market, and the Rangers finding some common ground with him. This is by no means a given. But I do think that there's motivation on both sides to try to get something done in the next few weeks. If that happens, I can tell you this. I don't see Mika going for a three, four, five, even six-year deal. I think the Rangers are going to have to go to seven or eight years to get this done. But the compromise here for the, from the Rangers' perspective could be if they're willing to give him those years, Zabinajad is 28 right now, so if you give him seven years, that'll take him to 35. If they're going to do that, their average annual value has to be manageable for them. It can't be $10 million. I'm sure they would prefer if it's under nine. I, I know eight might be a long shot, but I think somewhere in that eight to nine range, maybe slightly over nine, I think if they can keep it well below 10, the Rangers would consider doing it now. And from Mika's perspective, I mean, he has said that he wants to be here. Maybe deep down, he wants to test the free agent market. Maybe deep down, he wants to maximize his value. I don't think anybody could blame him for wanting to do that. But I'm just telling you guys that I have the sense right now that discussions are happening. So whether that means a deal is going to come to fruition in the next few weeks before the regular season opener, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball I can't report anything definitively right now, but I do think that both sides have some interest in exploring these talks now. The talks could break down at any moment, but something to keep your eye on. And if if a deal does come together, would that be the emphasis to name Mika captain? Would that be enticing for him? Would that maybe even bring his average annual value ask down? I don't know, but... My antenna will definitely go up as far as Mika maybe being the captain if an extension is announced sometime in the next few weeks. We'll see. Something to keep an eye on. Last little nugget that I'll leave you guys with for this week's show. And with that, I'm going to get going because I got a lot of long days coming up. And this is already looking like a long day because it's almost 8 o'clock. I got to eat dinner. I think I hear little V crying in the next room. But I'm excited, guys. I hope you all are too. I hope you stick with me the whole way. Please, if you haven't considered subscribing to lowhead.com or northjersey.com or any of the sites where my stories appear, I would highly advise, recommend, urge, appreciate you giving some consideration to. We have that deal that's back right now, $1 for six months. That's not $1 per month. That's $1 that gets you the first six months. And then you can take in all my content. There's going to be multiple stories a day for a long time coming now. And then at the end of that six months, if you feel like it's not worth it, you can cancel and you don't have to pay the, the rate that goes up after six months. But I got a lot of plans, a lot of stuff coming your way in the next few months. I'm really excited about it. I hope you guys will stick with me for the ride. But again, for now, crying baby, empty stomach. I got to go. I hope you guys have a great night and I'll talk to you next week.